Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, it's wonderful having you guys online with us today. Wherever you might find yourself, I'm so excited to spend this time with you as we're starting a brand new sermon series called Come As You Are. Now, can I just quickly say a special word of welcome to anyone that's joining us for the very first time, and especially if you're not usually going to church. If this is maybe a first time for you, someone said, check this out, you must come and join and must look at this and check it out. I want to give you a special word of welcome, and here's the reason why. It's because of Jesus. You know, Jesus had this one big message to anyone out there, not just to the church, but to the whole world. His message was this, can be summed up in one big word come. He invited the world to come, to come and find rest, to come and see for themselves, to come just as they are and discover a life-giving relationship with God. And that's actually the heart behind this series. Now, as I was preparing, I was Googling um, some of the biggest questions in life, just typed it in. And as I was looking at some of the questions that came up, I found it interesting that under the top three was this question. Is there a God? Which is quite the topic nowadays, if I'm not mistaken. And probably you've heard about this question before, whether you are Christian or not a Christian. But um, however, and wherever you've heard about it, I'd like to take this question one little step further throughout this series. You see, Jesus invited the world to come, not to discover whether only there is a God, but to discover how their lives would change if they got the radical privilege to get to know him. So the question that I'd like to address and want to invite you in on over the next four weeks is what if you knew God? I mean, what would change in your life if you got to know this God that Jesus introduced to the world? So to get us going, I'd like to invite you to read with me. We're going to be reading about... um, a book, uh, well, actually, we're going to be reading in a book called John, the Gospel of John. Now, this is basically just eyewitness testimonies of people that walked around with Jesus while he was alive on this planet 2,000 years ago, and this is what they saw. And in this one specific story, we're going to learn about someone that also got invited to come and see and to discover for himself what it would be like to get to know God. So I want to invite you, let's, let's read together. It's going to be here on the screen with me. Um, so you can read John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. It says the following. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So then Philip found Nathanael, and he told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So maybe you've had a Philip in your life today that got you to sit in front of this video, or maybe is challenging you to go to a church to come and find out more about who Jesus is. And um, you're hearing his stories, and maybe you responded like Nathaniel did. Because here it goes, Philip going there, very excited. Come and listen. Jesus is the one that will reveal he is the Messiah. That's the statements. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But Philip's response, 
after, oh, sorry, Nathaniel's response after hearing Philip's invitation was this. Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Nathaniel asked. Now, I can relate to this a little bit. I don't know about you, but being a Bloemfonteiner nowadays, fully in heart, I've discovered that you cry twice. You cry once when you come into Bloemfontein, and then you think to yourself, oh my word, can anything good come from this, this small little city? And then you discover the beauty and the jewel of the city, which is its people. And it's truly remarkable and really amazing to discover that. However, I had to do something. I had to trust my friend that invited me. That's exactly what Philip then replied to Nathaniel. He said, well, if you have some preconceptions about a Nazarene, come and see for yourself. And that's exactly where it ends. Now, we're only going to read this far, and I wonder, with all of that in mind, where did you first come, become aware of God? Where was the first time that you think back to where you became aware of God? In the story of Nathaniel, we see that he became aware of God through his friend that invited him. He had a few preconceptions, preconceived ideas, and presumptions that he had about hearing about this God. And he was quite overwhelmed by them. Um, we don't know all of them, but we do know this one, that, that he did not expect God to come from a place like Nazareth. It was not at all what he expected. Now, back to our question, I became aware of God as a young boy. I grew up in a very religious home, and um, we went to church every Sunday, and I still remember as a very young boy, I had to wear a very tight tie going to church and sit with my dad in the pews because he was a deacon, so all prim and proper, and uh, not, uh, not at all taking anyone away or saying anyone bad in the process, but this was my first impressions. Um, I remember sitting in those pews, the two highlight moments for me of the service was when my dad had to stand up to go and collect money, and then when we got to go to the back into the um, space where they would count the money, because those were the fun moments, that's where the action happened, you know, the, I really enjoyed those moments because I could stand up and not just sit and listen the whole time, and I could play a role in counting the money so I could partake, it was very exciting stuff for me, however, my first impression of God, because of this picture or this view that I had, was Basically, that God is very boring, and he's difficult to understand. I really struggled to understand what was going on, being a very young boy at that stage. It obviously makes a lot of sense, and also that God is very, very far, and he was very, very powerful, and I better not set any foot wrong, otherwise I'm going to get into trouble. That was kind of the picture that I had in my mind, and to be honest, it was basically, can anything good come from a God like this? I just knew that he was powerful and that we needed to respect him. And that was kind of the picture. That's what I had. Now I wonder, as you hear my story, what preconceived ideas you might have. What things might have dropped into your memory, places where you became aware of God. And how does that picture or that view look? I would like to ask you to indulge me for a moment and um, give me some space to just talk about I believe three spaces that I've discovered as I'm speaking to people, three myths about God, preconceived ideas that we might believe 
And we think that this might be the picture that Jesus portrays about God. The first one that I'd like to put on the, on the list is that God is very absent and that he is a distant God. He's not involved with these people. He doesn't come close at all. In fact, many times I've heard people speak about God in this way. Um, even if they're sitting in church for quite a long time, they would say stuff like, I know so much about God and I can tell you everything about him, but I don't know him. It's almost like he's this big old guy with a gray beard up there in heaven and he's looking down and he's like Tony Betty Midler said, he's looking at us from a distance. And that's kind of the picture that I have about God. And in essence, your view of God is kind of an eavesdrop experience, like in the olden days. I don't know if you guys ever got this, but um, we still had the old telephones in the house. And one of the cool things about those telephones is you could actually listen to conversations happening. So if my parents would have a conversation over the phone about some other decision that they need to make with regards to me going over, playing with friends, I could be in another place in the house at another phone and I could pick it up and I could eavesdrop and listen to the whole conversation. It was absolutely amazing. But in any case, for some of us, that's the picture of our journey with God. We got a picture of God based on an eavesdrop, based on other people's conversations about God, or maybe even with God, not necessarily our own conversation. Maybe you think God is far away, but can I just quickly share with you, in John chapter 14, once again, back to that book that John writes, Eyewitness Testimony, that same guy called Philip that asked his friend Nathaniel, says this to Jesus. He says, Lord, show us the Father, speaking about God, and that we will be... Um, and that will be enough for us. Then Jesus replies, verse 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is making a very radical statement. He's saying God is not far away. You can get to know God if you know Jesus. And in fact, if I'm not mistaken, we just came through a very festive season, December, where we celebrate the comes of Jesus to this earth, to this planet. It says God Emmanuel with us. God not far away in heaven, God coming close. The God that Jesus reveals is a God that's very personal and that you can get to know. He's not distant up in heaven. He's here. He's close second myth I find and I hear from a lot of people is that God is very angry and that he's very disappointed with me. I mean, if God gets me, Lorraine, I, it's the end. It's done. It's over for me. And he is so disappointed. He doesn't even want to speak to me. I'm, I'm absolutely sure about it. And now I can relate to this story because I still remember the days that I believed this so strongly. It was especially in my teenage years, right after watching some ETV late at night and uh, doing some stuff that I shouldn't be doing at that stage. And then I would go back home, um, go back to bed, and I would pray, God, please do not come tonight. Please. And, um, and I would be afraid that God is he's so disappointed because I've just sinned. I did terrible sins, and, and he doesn't want to have anything to do with me. He must be super disappointed. And if he would come tonight, it's lightning bolts, and I'm done. That's it. 
that's my picture. Now, I don't know about you. Maybe, maybe you can relate to this. Maybe it's real for you. However, I want you to see what John also writes. In John chapter 3, verse 16, I don't know if you know this. This is quite a famous verse, but it says the following. And maybe, maybe today I should start with what it does not say. This verse does not say, for God was so disappointed with the world that he, and you're going to fill in the blank. It also doesn't say, for God was so angry with the world that he. In fact, it says quite the opposite. John verses three, oh, John 3 verses 16 says the following, for God so loved the world. Maybe your picture of God is an angry one. The God that Jesus came to reveal is a God that loves the world. So much so that he came very close. He's not distant. He's not disappointed or angry. He loves and he came close. Maybe the last one that I've heard quite a few times, especially with the younger guys, when I'm chatting to them, and especially in my younger days, is this idea that God is a big party pooper. He came in, and he wants to spoil your fun. And I've heard people literally telling me, Lorraine, I'll become a Christian. I just first want to enjoy my life. I want to have the great life. I want to have the fullness of what it means to have life and enjoy it to the full. Can I just say this? The God that Jesus reveals is not at all that. In fact, and John, once again, John chapter 10, verse 10, it says the following, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And then he says, here is my intention. Guys, I've come. I've come to, to reveal the Father to you. But listen to this. Even further than that, I have come that they may have life and life to the full. If you think Jesus came to take away your life, I don't think that's the picture. That's not at all what Jesus says. He came to you to give you an abundance of life, the real life, the fullness of life, the joy, the ultimate picture of it. Jesus proclaims this. Now, God is definitely not angry or disappointed, distant, far, or a party pooper. And if it's not, how did Jesus then reveal God? What is his picture to you and to me? Well, in the Gospels, all of those eyewitness testimonies, there's four of them, we get 54 account moments where these guys that walked with Jesus testify and write that Jesus reveals God as a good and a loving Father. Luke 11 verse 30. If then, though you are evil, Jesus busy speaking, speaking to the earthly fathers, saying basically they're an evil bunch. Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? Meaning that he will give the greatest gifts, far better than what we see or think or even can imagine on this earth. Jesus speaking about his own relationship with the Father. John 10 not John 10, 10, but John 10, 11. He says, I and the Father are one. 
There is a connection. There is a closeness. Jesus reveals not only that God is a father, but that you can get to know him intimately. Now, I know as you're hearing this, and maybe it's not the first time that you're hearing this, you might be asking the question, well, Lorraine, how does this change anything? I mean, it's great. God is a father, but what does this change for me? Well, I want to say it doesn't change anything. I, I believe it changes everything. In fact, I want you to quickly see that. And, and that's what we want to do for the rest of this series called Come As You Are, where you can discover how your life would change if you got the privilege of knowing God as a father. I believe the first thing that would change is you. Your identity would change. You see, think with me for a moment. If God is your father, what does it make you? His child. You've changed from that nobody that maybe came from Nazareth or, or that person that's defined by all of their failures. Oh, you know, that, uh, that old story of, um, you know, my, my family, they were hardheads and my opa was a hardhead, my dad's hard, and I'm the little hardhead, and that's the picture. I'm just the rough guy kind of vibes. No, 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 you're no longer that. You're now the child of God. I mean, you're totally different. You're no longer defined by failure, and you're no longer defined by your successes. Now, I know when I say success, you might think, well, Lorraine, what's bad about being defined by my success? Well, let me tell you what's bad about it. Pressure. Because once you've succeeded... A week later, you think to yourself, if I don't continue to succeed, what am I? I'm absolutely nothing. So when it comes to knowing God as a father, firstly, your identity changes. You become a new being. Second thing that changes is your home. You get a new home, a new relationship. In fact, your intimacy with the father changes. I love this example the most, and I've used it so many times. But I'm thinking about the most protected man on this planet. It's probably the American president. But do you know that there is one person that will have access to the most protected person on this planet at 3 o'clock in the morning? And that person is his little daughter. Probably 3 o'clock in the morning would walk in, Daddy, I had a nightmare. Daddy would stand up and help him. That's just it. If God is your father, you have a new house. You have a new place of safety and security. You have an intimate access to him like no one else before. That's the picture. That's the privilege. The third thing that would change, which I think is very radical, is you would actually literally get a new life. Your life would be totally redefined. I mean, think about it. If your father is the ruler of the universe, what does it make you? You become a prince or a princess, uh, or as Jesus said, a co-heir in Christ Jesus. You have a significant purpose. You get to rule over a portion of God's creation. You're entrusted with real responsibility. Not trying to survive and get through life. Do you see how everything changes? Not just some things, but everything. I believe Paul says it best when he says, when you meet God, you become a new creation in Christ, not just a better person. How can I, how can I get to know God like this? Well, John also tells us, says the following, John chapter 1, verses 12, 
says the following. He says, Yet to all who did receive Jesus, received him, Jesus, referring to him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And there it is. There is this promise. If you would receive Jesus, you would believe in him, he gives you the right to become a child. It's through Jesus, you see, that we get to know God as our Father. And not as a taskmaster, not as an absent boss calling shots, and not as a potty pooper. Absolutely not. But as a Father. That's the picture. So, what does it mean? What does it mean to believe in Jesus? And why is it so important to believe in Jesus? Well, I think to answer that question, we need to go back to our little story right in the beginning of Nathaniel. You see, that day, when Nathaniel was invited by Philip to come and see, to come and see for himself, he decided to make a radical decision. He decided to actually go. And this is what happened. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Ah, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answers, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip even called you. Then Nathanael declared, listen to this, what a radical moment. Rabbi, which means teacher, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus says, well, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. And he then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, I believe that as I'm reading through this moment, there might be one big question that's in your mind now. And it's this. What happened under the fig tree? I mean, what happened that if Jesus saw him there, he hears that Jesus saw him there, and the next moment he proclaims Jesus as his Lord, he believes. What happened in that moment? Now, we don't really know. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot. But what it does tell us is the following. We do know that it must have been a very private and a very personal matter that Nathaniel most likely must have been struggling with at that moment. And um, probably a deep inner struggle that he was wrestling with in life. You can, you can color it in and fill it in. But it was in that space that Jesus says, I see you. Now, guys, I think this is so profound because on that day, as Nathaniel meets Jesus, when he came to see him, he discovered two big things. The first one is that Jesus had insight into his biggest and his greatest struggle. I wonder about you. I wonder if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I'm wrestling alone with this. I want to tell you that you're not. Jesus says that he can see you right there where you are. When you're busy wrestling with your greatest struggles. 
Now, that wasn't the only thing that Nathaniel discovered. The second thing that he discovered that day was the following. He discovered that Jesus didn't just have insight, but he also was the answer to that struggle. Jesus was the answer to end that working struggle. So, Nathaniel did the only thing that any reasonable person would do when they find the answer to their greatest struggles in life. He trusted Jesus. He put his faith in Jesus. He believed in him. So, as you've watched that video, I don't know if the same thing happens to you as what happens to me. I am always so confronted with my limitations. And then also, my shame and my guilt. But then, as I see how in this story, a loving father comes closer. And he is ready with the stronger stuff. I'm overwhelmed with emotion. Because I can still remember the day when I was invited to come and see him. And I found the stronger stuff. It is called God's grace. And it's available to you. It's available to whomever is willing to put their trust in Jesus. So today, I want to ask you, if you're sitting there and you're listening to this, and God has maybe been speaking to you. Maybe you've been a Nathaniel and you had some preconceived ideas. Today, some of those ideas have been shifted. And you know that you need to make the move like Nathaniel had to make that move and say, Jesus, I believe in you. No longer will I struggle by myself. I don't see that you only have insight, but I also see that you are the answer. You are the strongest stuff. To get to know God is really what I need in my life. I want to invite you to pray with me and to give your life to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we can call you Father because of Jesus. And Dad, today as there are people that are opening up their hearts to get to know you better, to take a step of faith and really trust you, trust your revelation of who God truly is. I want to pray with them right now. And if that's you, I want to invite you to do the following. The word says that if you believe in Jesus, that God raised him from the dead, that he is truly the Son of God, if you put your trust in him, and you confess that he is the Lord of your life. You are his child. You will be saved. And therefore, I want to invite you now. Just say after me, Jesus, I believe that God has raised you from the dead. You truly are the Son of God. And I confess, I want to accept you as the Lord, not just of the universe, but also of my life. In Jesus' name we pray.
you have just accepted Jesus, I want to say welcome, brother, sister. You're one of his children. I'd love to invite you to click on our starting point link. We'd love to connect with you and walk a road. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.